This is Effective Teaching with Dan Jackson from TeachersPD.net, giving you effective teaching and learning strategies for your classroom. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 10 of the Effective Teaching Podcast. Today, I have Kelly Pfeiffer with me, and we're going to be discussing project-based learning. Now, Kelly is the head teacher for Futures Learning at Dubbo School of Distance Education. Uh, She also this year won the Australian Association of Distance Education Schools Award for Teaching Excellence. Her team also won the Technology for Learning Award this year and the Dark Sky Education Package that she developed with her colleague, Melissa McNair, has been nominated for the Dark Sky Defender Award. So she has been very busy for sure, Kelly. I don't know how you managed to juggle work in with any of that stuff, but welcome to the Effective Teaching Podcast. It's great to have you on. Thank you so much for giving up your time. It's great to be here. Thank you for having me. It's not a problem at all. So... What are the key aspects for project-based learning to make it effective in its approach or particularly effective for us in terms of creating those lifelong learners? I think with project-based learning, the key aspects that I think are crucial to it being effective would be, first of all, having a driving question, and that kind of dictates the tone of the project. So that driving question is something to be unpacked throughout the duration of the unit. So it's kind of, I see it as an umbrella that is kind of held over everything that happens within that unit. So a driving question is a question, it's a problem to be solved essentially and that's what the students are aiming to do over the duration of the project. So the driving question is got to be a question that can't be Googled and it usually starts with a how type of thing. It's how can blah, blah, so we can something or other. So there's a variety of ways to unpack a driving question and there's lots of samples out there that people can Google and have a bit of a look at and have a play. And it's usually the most important thing to kick off a project-based learning unit. Then there would be the authentic audience and they're crucial. So the authentic audience is someone outside of the school. It's not teachers, it's not parents, it's not necessarily other students. It's someone who is working in industry that can give the students authentic feedback on whatever the driving question is asking the students to unpack or to solve. Okay, so for an example for us, you recently created this dark sky education package what was your driving question for that and who was your authentic audience Ooh, that's good one you're testing my memory now so i think the driving question was along the lines of how can we maintain the critical light threshold at the siding springs observatory by putting in place steps for our community to reduce light pollution it was more succinct than that that was a bit (laughs) fluffy but essentially that's what it was along the lines of with that we kind of and I don't know why my head went straight to oh we need authentic audience for this so I just put it out there on LinkedIn and just kind of went you know this is a driving question if you I just wanted people who were innovative thinkers that could speak to students and really challenge their thoughts and opinions beyond kind of a solution to that being oh, a PowerPoint presentation. So we kind of, I put a call out to contacts on LinkedIn 
And we ended up getting 40 expert mentors, but they came from University of Technology, Sydney, UNSW, Technology, uh, Swinburne, ANU. We had different government departments, so the New South Wales Department of Planning and Environment, CSIRO. We had PhD, astrophysicists. Yeah, anyone that was interested or could encourage the kids to think outside the box, I took because I couldn't be fussy because they had to all do it for free as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's, that's the nature of education, isn't it? You have to find everyone for free. Yes. Um, so your authentic audience is more someone who's going to help them and provide feedback, not necessarily who they're going to take the solution to at the end and say this is going to solve your problem. Yeah, yeah. So what it was, part of that, the rolling out those dark sky guidelines, they wanted to encourage it. So we designed the education package for them, but they also put up a $7,000 prize pool, like a competition. So the kids obviously unpack it with their teachers and then from each school that enrolled as the competition, their best Two from each school then goes on to a further judging panel and that judging panel is made up of uh, Professor Fred Watson from Siding Springs Observatory, a representative from the Department of Education, which is my boss, Debbie Murray, and then a person from the Department of Planning and Environment. So it does go to another level in regards to authentic audience. So that's something else, but we kind of had the authentic audience drop in two times throughout the unit because this unit went for pretty much a term and it's just, for me, increases the level of engagement and motivation of the kids. So you have your launch, which was really cool. We had some YouTube videos with Professor Fred Watson's voice. There was an online tool and this was all developed by the Department of Planning Comms Unit down in Sydney. So obviously we incorporated all of that as a launch and then we organise the mentors to come in week four and week six. So the kids had time to have some surface learning, start to get a little bit deeper, you know, throw their pitch at the authentic audience about week four, maybe even later. And it, that varied depending on the school and the kids and the teacher's organisation and stuff like that. Yeah. And so it was like the kids pitched one week, then had two weeks to reflect process, refine, and then pitched again to their mentor. And then what a lot of the schools did gave the kids another kind of week or two weeks to refine it. And then they presented to a local authentic audience. And some of that was council members or community experts, engineers within their area to as a judging panel to get the two winners from each school that then goes on type of thing. Yeah, which is what I got to witness on Friday when we went out to Lincoln Public School and had a look at their presentations and they've created some excellent things out there, which was fantastic. It's good to see you know, what, what you're creating around project-based learning is actually transforming our kids and their education and their kids were actually really excited around what they were doing. So from that then, so you've got your driving questions, you've got your authentic audience and you talk there too about a bit more of the process where they've got that service level learning before they go into the actual creating and critiquing of things and then getting feedback, which is really important, and then adapting based on that feedback. I think I can already see some of the ways that this is going to be a really fantastic thing for creating lifelong learners, but what do you think it is about project-based learning which makes it so good at helping prepare our students for the future in terms of creating them and helping them and equipping them to be lifelong learners? 
whether you call it project-based learning or inquiry-based or and like the design process, engineer process, just it all, it's almost one and the same. It just sits in there so nicely. I just think it project-based learning offers a unique opportunity for teachers and students to join together in the inquiry process. So it's not something that you just chuck them in and hope for the best. You've got to use like protocols, reflective exercises, divergent thinking strategies, quality design processes. So then we as teachers can coach students in mastering the tools required of lifelong learners in that global world. So Project-based learning should be seen kind of as a philosophy of teaching and learning rather than as another educational strategy. It's kind of like a, a blueprint or a framework for how education will or possibly I think should be organised. And in this field, it's constantly being enriched by sources globally over the last 18 years. Like minds around the world have tried to envision how project-based learning, inquiry-based learning can succeed in unfolding global age type of thing. So it's allowing our kids to have that experience, to have that surface level develop into deeper. But then when they do that presentation at the end, it's allowing hopefully them to identify and recognise that that learning can be transferable, which will then prepare them to go beyond just the level of, oh, we've built some new knowledge around this. They're taking that into, you know, our world, which is rapid changes. It's really complex. We're looking for problem solvers all the time and just allows them to, I guess, take what they've experienced in a project-based learning unit and teaches them to be resourceful, resilient and creative when it comes to solving problems and then those transforming situations as well. So they've got that grit and know-how to move forward. Yeah, I think that's really good. I like some of the words you used there when you were talking about the kind of skills that they're going to get in terms of their resilience and to be resourceful, um, mm. which I think is actually really key. I think as we look to the future, and we, we often have been talking in New South Wales, I know, about future-proofing a lot of our syllabuses lately and or syllabi lately. Uh, <laughs> I think one of the key things for us is that we need to teach our kids to be resourceful and to collaborate and to be able to solve those problems because in reality, we don't know what's coming. And what we need to do, I believe, is teach our kids how to learn because when that problem comes or that new issue arises for them, if they know how to learn, then it doesn't really matter what the context is. They know that they need to go and get that surface level stuff first. They then need to go and do some deeper thinking collaborate with people be resourceful because they're not going to know everything i know when i do things like right now i'm being resourceful this is project-based learning and i i know a little bit about it but uh, you are definitely a lot more knowledgeable than me i haven't won any awards relating to project-based learning (laughs) (laughs) i'm always 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 learning and that and that's the uh, the whole thing you kind of i just find it really weird that we at the end of school we ask kids to sit all these exams and do them by themselves when in the workplace we're always collaborating. We're looking, we're working smarter, not harder. Um, musicians do it all the time. Like Ed Sheeran's made this whole new album and it's an all in collaboration with these other people. Like they're unfolding and changing and challenging all the time. And yet we're asking our kids, you know, to sit an exam by themselves and just, you know, find the answer by themselves. It's just unrealistic. Yeah. 
those skills that we've developed with our kids along the line being resourceful, resilient and creative, when they have to, you know, get to that HSC and they're like, oh, my God, this is overwhelming and I don't know where to start, they can use those strategies that they've developed over their schooling life to go, okay, it's going to be okay, I, I, you know, I, I'll have a plan of attack or I can problem solve this, I'm not going to sit there and become like a, a puddle type of thing. Yeah, and I think that's a very limited focus too. If someone's asking you questions around, you know, what's what's the point of project-based learning if there's a HSC exam? I'm like, well, what's the point of the HSC exam? Beyond year 12, the significance of your HSC, I think I've told maybe 10 people what I got in my HSC since my <laughs> HSC. The HSC is not what we should be teaching for. That's what, one of the things that actually motivated me a lot with what I'm trying to create here with this podcast and with my site at the moment is because I keep hearing these people that are just teaching everything about you know, I've got to perform in an exam and that's how I'm going to be measured as a teacher is whether or not these students perform in an exam. Whereas I actually see, you know, if the students are developing the skills around learning and they're getting ready for life, we were chatting earlier about my school, Cedar College, and how it focuses on life-ready learning. And the whole point is that, you know, yes, there's a HSC, our kids will sit exams, but we're more concerned about how they're going to go after that because mm. we place as a culture so much stress and so much importance on it and in reality these days, you know, even to get into uni, most universities will accept students without NATA. Mm. They have alternative pathways built into them. There's very few that don't anymore because they've realised, universities, that the ATAR system is not working. That's, that's, there's a side conversation for us there. About <laughs> we could go on and on. <laughs> that's, that's right. That's right. So let's, let's now try and narrow it down then. So for our teachers who are looking to maybe start doing some project-based learning in their classrooms, what would you tell them to do maybe this week to kind of look towards beginning to implement this approach in their class? I would just advise them to do as much reading as they can in terms of there's lots of stuff out there. The biggest thing for me when I started was just lots of professional reading. The stuff that really resonated with me had Tom Markham's name on it and he's CEO of PBL Global. He actually literally wrote the handbook on project-based learning when he was with the Buck Institute, which is now called PBL Works. So lots of reading around that, lots of articles, websites, all that kind of stuff. And then I just thought, nah, I need to test this out. So my advice to teachers would be start in your wheelhouse, like start where you are already comfortable with that syllabus knowledge and then just pull out elements of project-based learning. So it could be what I said earlier, you know, have a play with some authentic audience. If you're delivering a unit based on engineering, we'll pull an engineer in and allow the kids to ask questions type of thing. If they've got to present, then pull someone in for them to present to that's not teachers or parents type of thing. Reflection strategies, pull them in type of thing. So it's really important to just pull in those elements, build your confidence as teachers to then maybe put it all together in a bit of a package. I will admit we were doing a cross KLA one for year nine where we had English, PE and science and it was around happiness and well-being within your community and I had a panic attack going, I need to test run this before we have a crack at it. So I just used my class and I used my HSC CAPS class. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, I think I'm sure they enjoyed it. <laughs> well, we, it was so, and this is what's so cool about project-based learning. 
our question, it was the IRP, which lends itself beautifully to project-based learning. So essentially all I did was I reframed our question and gave it a bit of tweaking and it was around homelessness. My authentic audience I brought in was um, the big issue because I've done a lot of stuff with the big issue and because CAFs had homeless people as one of their main compulsory groups at that stage. So I'd done some work with Dania and the team down in Melbourne and so I pulled them in and they made a video for me going, hi, distance education kids, you know, I can't wait to see what unfolds. And then as part of that, they do an e-learning program. So I sucked them in to deliver it to my distance kids online and it was where they talked to someone who's experienced homelessness and then part of what the kids had to do once they've done, you know, all their literature reviews and all the compulsory stuff was to pull together a 30-second video of their results, which we then sent back down to Rachel and the team. So that's kind of how I did it. But what was so powerful was 12 months later, one of my girls sent me a text and going, oh, miss, I don't know if you remember me. And I'm thinking, yes, of course I remember you. <laughs> As she said, my um, mum and I were down in Melbourne and we bought the latest big issue volume off one of the vendors and she took a picture and she said, and then the next day we saw a homeless lady and we bought her a coffee and some breakfast and she was so grateful and thankful. And like, this is a year after they'd done the whole assignment. And I'm just, that's the cool stuff about project-based learning is the impact that it has on our students that has that lasting effect and yeah super 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 proud of them and that year was one of our students got second in the state for caps kind of thing and she just said that you know that unit was so powerful and resonated with her type of thing I just kind of think you know it's there we just have to be brave enough as teachers not to be mandated by the syllabus to you know don't be afraid hook in Yep, that's right. It will take time too. No doubt you're pressed to get through your content for that HSC exam. Oh, <laughs> and, and so many teachers are so paranoid about that and I just kind of think we just need to take a breath and go, right, you know, if they experience something that powerful, then the content will just be there and exist because they've lived it type of thing. Yeah, that's right. And it's going to continue to affect them. Well, afterwards, as you just showed, it's it's about that impact. I think it's it's really the key to what we do as teachers. And I think every teacher, what they actually love about teaching is not that they got a student to get a band six for the subject that they teach. It's actually that the students later talk about what they learnt and the impact it's had and how it's affected them after school. And I think if we focused more on that, we would be able to just continue to produce a much greater impact. Uh, and clearly what you're doing is having a huge impact not just on the distance ed kids that are enrolled at your school out of Dubbo, but actually across the whole state and probably internationally. I believe the, the next award is going to be an international one. So, Yeah, yeah, that was, I'm like, holy dooly. And with the uh, writing of that, and it's, you know, we didn't expect it to be as big as what it is, but we've had, yeah, the International Dark Sky Association, we have been nominated for an award there. And then, you know, the IDA in Ireland wanted our unit so we went yep you know just recognize where it came from and then we've had contacts in Canada as well that are just really interested in watching this space to see how it is so and that's just yeah cool stuff that happens with project based learning it's the unexpected stuff that you just don't see like even one of our kids doing the dark sky unit for us 
his grandma went, oh, I'm taking him out to Sliding Springs. We'll go and see it. And so, you know, pulled a few strings. He got a guided tour. He got to take his telescope. They calibrated it for him. So, and that's that's what's really cool. And one of our kids last year who was, wasn't going to be in the unit because, you know, they thought, ah, oh, you know, we're just not sure. You know, he's got lots of things happening in his life. They threw him in at the last minute. Well, he's now gone on to be a youth mentor for Headspace because they were our authentic audience and his confidence has just blossomed and bloomed and it's that's the cool stuff that you don't know what's going to happen by giving these kids these opportunities. And it's usually our less academic kids that thrive in a project-based learning unit because they struggle at school anyway, so that forces them to become quite resourceful about how to, you know, fudge their way through it or get out of it type of thing. So when there's a problem that can't, you know, you just can't find it straight away, they, they sit quite comfortably in that space because they've had to be resourceful and struggle with their work, whereas our more academic kids really don't like it because they can't find that answer straight away and they they don't know what the answer is and they don't like it very much being in the area of that unknown yeah beautiful well i want to thank you so much for joining us kelly it's been a delight to chat to you i'll definitely have to see if i can get you to come back on here and do a few more this is just been great (laughs) no worries thanks for having me you've been listening to effective teaching with dan jackson Please visit TeachersPD.net for more effective teaching strategies and online professional development.